I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Dave Conlon is with the Canadian Student Leadership Association. He's all about providing opportunities for high school students. He was a vice principal. He was an English teacher. He was an activities director, something he talks a great deal about in this interview and about how it could really benefit young people in providing them entrepreneurial angles uh, to where they're heading in their life. He talks about the numerati and how people uh, within the school system run everything by a spreadsheet. He talks about those kinds of people anyway. And he talks a lot about um, uh, about rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty and empowering others and capacity building and all those wonderful things, giving back, little things making a big difference. You're going to enjoy the interview. Dave Conlon, the Canadian Student Leadership Association. They hold a student leadership conference uh, across Canada. And uh, he's a good guy, and you're going to learn a great deal from him. So listen in, and we'll see you soon. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are sitting here in Guelph, Ontario, not too far from the University of Guelph. And my guest today is Dave Conlon. He's with the Canadian Student Leadership Association. Thanks for joining us today, Dave. Good to be here. Is Dave okay? Dave is great. Dave is great. The might here, you know, for some of those more attentive listeners, you're going to hear a few robins in the background and maybe some... um, uh, kids having a great old time in a, a recess, uh, just just sort of, I don't know, half a kilometer away from us. Nothing wrong with recess. Nothing wrong with recess. It's, uh, what is it? It's 1.30 on Friday. I will be officially hitting recess about 3.45 today. Little Sailor Jerry and a Coke, I think, is where I'm heading. <laughs> um, so Dave is the... Um, I was going to say, he's, he, 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 I think he wants to be the Grand Poobah, but I'm not sure of the Canadian Student Leadership Association. We're going to learn about them today, uh, but we're also going to learn about the Canadian Student Leadership Conference uh, across Canada, and we're going to talk, I think, about leadership and entrepreneurship and social change and little things making a big difference. And so uh, Dave is a former teacher. He's, he was an English teacher who became an activities director uh, in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Dave, what... Um, 
So I kind of have a sense for what the Canadian Student Leadership Association does because of you know our conversations and also just the meetings at the conferences and so along uh, along the way. What do you do? You're not for profit. What are you? What's your primary focus? Our primary focus is with advisors across the country and trying to perform sort of support and network them together with either resources or information. With or advi advisors? Advisors. And, and what, what do you mean by that? Because we're, we're involved in student leadership and in order to have a student you need a teacher and we see our advisors as the teachers of students. And so when we support the advisors they go back to the schools and give the students the tools, the ideas uh, and again the support necessary to make great things happen in their schools and their communities. So our focus is Essentially, the end product is students being student leaders, but again, it's a student, so we're looking So an advisor is a teacher? Yep. It could be Absolutely. a math teacher, it could be a guidance counselor, it could be whatever. Yeah. And they could, bring, do you ever find that you've got a kindergarten teacher that's advising grade eights? Interesting, there's a lady in Saskatchewan, she's a kindergarten teacher advising high school kids. But <laughs> that's awesome. It's a K-12. to Do they write in crayons? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Again, they cut out a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, she has a lot of fun. Gail Fallman is an amazing lady there. So this is about, obviously it's multi-layered by the sounds of it, but it's really about student leadership. Yes. And trying to give them the tools uh, that allow them to do things in their school rather than just saying, here, go do some good stuff. Um, we want to make sure that they've been trained and told and given um, organizational skills and speaking skills and all of those things that are necessary. Uh, for the kids to do things in their community and their schools. Is there always a fundraising component com connected to what you're doing? I mean, I, I, because I'm in sort of that sector, uh, it sounds like there is, but not necessarily. No, not at all. Uh, again, getting the kids to run um, a barbecue at lunchtime. Uh, sure, there's money involved, but you're not going to make a lot of money selling hamburgers at lunchtime in a high school. But the organizational skills that they learn in trying to put on that event uh, are enormous. Um, that it's them learning on the ground that, uh, geez, somebody better get a change box for us and somebody better make sure the pop's cold and all of those things. So you're, so the CSLA, mm -hmm. um, one more acronym to add to my list, uh, you guys are capacity builders. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Of educators uh, and students. Uh, right. Is that your mission statement? Did we just write your mission sure. statement? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure that you have. Doesn't sound very exciting, though. <laughs> no, it, it sounds. Got to get some more emotional words in there. No, again, we're, as I see myself, as just meddling in the lives of others in a positive mm. way, mm. and trying to say, good. Um, can I do something to make your job easier? And uh, that that works for us. And are, are are teachers overworked? Yes, absolutely. Um, they are spinning the wheels to try and cover the curriculum in the classroom and then that same group of teachers who are great teachers in the classroom want to do something beyond because um, they probably had a great high school experience themselves and they also want to pass that on to the students that they're working with and, and love working with. They're the only group of people I know that will spend uh, their own time on a weekend learning how to spend more of their own time with kids. Um, they're busy, and uh, I call them my favorite crazy kind of people because they're... Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah, my wife's a, a teacher librarian. My brother's a teacher who's a principal now, so it kind of runs in the family to some degree. But um, do you think there's... Um, I mean, it's a pretty interesting place to be in Ontario right now with the strike 
uh, or the strikes that are kind of currently going on, work to rule being announced in a couple of hours, I think this afternoon. Um, and also this curriculum stuff we've got going on with the sex education and, and teachers. My wife is at school this week and about 40% of the school wasn't there because they just decided to protest and the kids stayed home. And so things are happening right now in a, in a way we're heading into summer. Do you think as a result of those kinds of things, uh, teachers uh, have lost or are lo losing their idealism along the way somewhere? You know, I, I want to change the world. I'm going to teach these kids. I'm going to plant seeds. I'm going to affirm and include. And yet here's what's going on in a whole other part of, you know, the culture that's doing the exact opposite, yeah. or at least it seems. Uh, if they haven't lost it, it's slowly being ground out of them, mm -hmm. um, and they're they're losing it because uh, a lot of situations. And I travel across the country, speaking to advisors across every province, and they're losing the ability to control their own situation. They're having to go to this vice principal or this principal to ask for permission to do this thing in the school or do this thing with kids. Um, so even that entrepreneurial spirit that a lot of them had initially uh, has been taken out of their hands and passed on to someone. Uh, and it could be even someone at the board office who has no idea of what's going on in the schools or the is, classrooms. Is it bureaucracy? Is it, is it uh, politics? What, what is, why are they losing that control or that ability to make those decisions for themselves? I think there's two things happening. The numbers people have taken over, my favorite, the numerati. Uh, run <laughs> that's it. Funny. I haven't yeah. heard that yet. Yeah, they uh, that's awesome. they run everything by a spreadsheet. Oh, and that's good. Education has taken on this uh, numbers business model, and uh, they forget that we're dealing with people. So, when you drive education and curriculum by the numbers, uh, you have to spend a lot of time focusing on that. The other aspect that I think it has changed the game is that. Um, I say there's too many Frady cats in charge and the liability is the big question that everybody asks when uh, they're afraid to do anything that's out of the ordinary. And they're much more willing to hand over that responsibility to uh, a recognized, paid-for company or corporation rather than doing it themselves. Isn't, isn't I mean, though, kind of entrepreneur realism 101 about taking risks absolutely you can't be afraid i no. mean i mean you, sorry you might have the fear but you still do it anyway no you, you have some fear because uh you have to have that fear otherwise you're stupid and then you have the fear and that balances some of the things that you thought you might try in the beginning but then after that you proceed and uh roll the dice and make sure it happens because you've got everything in place and uh, in over 30 years of activities um a lot of great things have happened because we've gone out on a limb and kids have had fun and uh, learned a heck of a lot of stuff in doing those things. It's really interesting, you know, as I reflect on, and I'm sure I've had this conversation with my wife Elizabeth, but um, those courses that, that, that stand out, you know. Uh, I had an English teacher who was uh, challenging, but a great guy and just, we, I fell in love with English. I had a math teacher at one point, that was a biology teacher, uh, graphic arts, and they're these, indiv these individuals, these advisors, I guess, mm -hmm. <laughs> as you call them today. They w might not have been called that before. But it's, those are the, my fondest memories of my school experience, high school, oh. all, the way, all the way back to grade school. Like, I have memories of Nobody Mrs. Does. Pruder in grade four. <laughs> Nobody, I can't believe I remember on. her name. Nobody's ever fallen in love with a textbook. 
Like yeah, every teacher nice. has a math textbook or a science textbook or King Lear or whatever. It's the individual in charge who brings you to that appreciation of it. And it may be the English teacher or it may be the science teacher that you got all of a sudden, you know, extremely excited about chemical bonding. Well, <laughs> big deal. Chemical that wasn't bond. my thing, but... No, I know. And it isn't yours, but guess yeah, what? The I know. kid down the hallway got all excited and fired up. And, and that's what the individual brings to it. And that's, you know, I, I see a lot of saying, oh, YouTube is going to become the new university. I'm sorry. You need an individual in front of another individual getting them excited. That's where learning happens. It doesn't happen from that calculus textbook or that grammar book or, or whatever. Do you, do you think that, um, <clears throat> are there trends, you know, with respect to student leadership? I mean, are there, th you know, we talked a little bit before the, 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 the recorder was on, but we talked about a new sponsorship or a new mm -hmm. partnership with the Canadian Cancer Society. Uh, are there trends with students with respect to getting involved, giving back, Leadership oh, absolutely. things, you know, uh, I it's tell, the car wash this year, it's the barbecue next year to work with Free the Children or Terry Fox Run or whatever the case it might be. Or Yeah, I think what's happened is that uh, kids today want to get their hands dirty. They want to be uh, boots on the ground, let's say. When I was a kid, I was happy on Halloween to walk around with my little orange box and collect for UNICEF. And I'd turn in the pennies or nickels or dimes into the elementary school at the end of the day. Kids today, um, no, they don't want to do that. They want to go to Dominican. They want to go to Guatemala and, you know, help give soccer balls to the kids. So that's a real difference, I think, for the advisors. that If the kids aren't directly involved in doing it, they will find something else. Um, because mainly they've been treated by, by the adults in their life as adults. So the parents have said... You know, how do I figure out this cell phone plan and what kind of computer should I buy? And uh, where would you like to go on holiday? And heck, when I was a kid, I was never asked whether no, it's true. I had an opinion on where we're going for a yeah, holiday. Yeah, and yeah. it certainly wasn't acted upon. We we went to Upper Canada Village and I saw another damn butter churn. It was, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. it was good for me. Right, right. But today's right. kids are treated you're, and... You're entitled to my opinion, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is so it, that's that's yeah. what's different. They um, they get excited about this opportunity provided, say by me, we or, or those those types of things, or going downtown and working in a soup kitchen. Um, that's so I'm you know I, I, because I work in the development sector, I hear a lot of opinions about what works and what doesn't, and cyn the cynicism of raising money and the cynicism mm -hmm. of, of of donor fatigue and and and. and uh, yeah, just just that uh, not not another sad story, you know that kind of, and so, so oftentimes people will kind of attack these um, short term trips, the DR trips, yep. the going to Kenya to build a school, drill wells, and wouldn't it be better just to take the money and send it overseas? I'm the product of a trip in 1989, the product of a trip. Sorry about the consumeristic kind of angle yeah. there, but I went on one of those trips for four weeks. I was on strike at the time as an electrician really did roll up my sleeves, really did want the experience, raised the money uh, through friends and family and my own donations. And I mean, to say that it changed my life is an understatement. And it has had a deep and intimate connection to everything I've done since. And so when, when I think one of the things that really saddens me about people looking at some of the meet a wee like free the children like experiences, they, they, they forget that there's something for the students oh, yeah. to take. 
right? Yeah. The memories, the relationships they build and, and with people there, but with people here. And it's, it's far more nuanced than that. I, I, and I agree with you and understand that. Speak, and I was an exchange student myself through mm. Rotary and spent a mm. year in New Zealand. Mm. So that changed my life. But I also look at it, you went as an electrician, had some skills mm -hmm. and went into a community and had some skills to offer. Uh, I'm really confused about how a, a grade 12 girl or a boy mm -hmm. has anything to offer mm -hmm. to a community mm -hmm. um, for two weeks. I also, when I see the price tag oh, uh, right. on these and realize it's two weeks in an orphanage and two weeks on safari, I know who's making the money. Uh, so I have a, a, a mm. problem with that. It's um, poorism is what I call it. It's They're going out to see the poor almost as if they're in the zoo. Mm -hmm. oh, there, and I, uh, it bothers me. I understand that they are changed. But then I don't think a grade 12 or grade 12 girl or boy is now an expert on Uganda no. after two weeks in an orphanage. Absolutely. And they come back feeling like they know what's going on. I think well, it's a lot more complex. I, well, it is. And I wonder to what degree that has to do with the pre and the post training yep. and what their, you know, the cross-cultural training they get and so on. And there's only so much you can get in a, in a two to three or four week trip. That's, yeah. that's for sure. I, I think those are the gravy trips. What mm. I support and what I like to see is the kids running an event in their school. And it may be something as simple as, um, sell, you know, the, the old proverbial bake sale. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of skill to make a very successful bake sale. Mm -hmm. And sure those are skills that can be scaled to um, any level once they've had a few experiences doing it. And I say basically you can break events at high school into three categories, a 100-pound event, a 500-pound event, and a 1,000-pound event. You would never ask a kid to go into the weight room and lift a thousand pounds right off the bat, but certainly a couple times on the hundred pounds, they're now capable, and then they move on to the event, which means it's after school. We got a chaperone, we got a cash box, maybe a little AV. That's a five hundred pound event, which yeah. is five yeah. pieces of paper, and now that student leader has some skills and some abilities and some understanding what the job is. So you at the CSLC. Sorry, CSLA. You don't actually get involved in the nuts and bolts of that. You're, teach, you're teaching. You're coming alongside the advisor right. to support them to hopefully support that small group of kids or that Absolutely. one kid that wants to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll suggest an event, and one event that I say, just try this. It's called BYOB, and the kids get all excited. Can we? I said, No, it's a banana, not booze. And they go, All right, what's that? I said, what you're doing is you're teaching students that if they choose to be involved, they get a reward. So I'll BYOB, banana, on Friday at lunchtime. Kids show up with their banana. Student leaders are there with ice cream, sprinkles, and chocolate sauce. And they make the kids a banana split. All of a sudden, the kids feel better that they have provided this for their friends. The friends feel better because they're teenagers. They just got free food. And the kids running the show learned how to run an event and everybody wins, and something it, as simple as that. Is it hard to motivate young people to bring their own bananas? I mean, no. there's a bigger question Food there, right? motivates every teacher. <laughs> Chocolate is good. Food. Pizza works for 90% of the population. <laughs> Food works. So you are, um, you're not cynical when it comes to the younger generation? Not at all. No? No. 
I have seen, um, I think what's happened is the good kids are better than I was in grade nine. Um, they're better looking <laughs> than I was in grade nine. The skills that they have. They wear way better clothes. Oh, they, oh yeah. yeah. Still wear better, better clothes. Better music, too. Yeah. Well, maybe not every No, the music I have some problems with. <laughs> but, uh, but certainly they are able to do a lot more and mm -hmm. more worldly than, than I ever was. Um, so, no, I have very, very high hopes and uh, feelings for today's generation. What do you do uh, with this whole supposed uh, uh, level of entitlement of the younger generation that I hear about all the time? I teach at Hubbard College. I feel like I'm a victim of it to some degree. This idea that, you know, to go back to your comment earlier, the uh, the numerati, mm -hmm. right? Because I think students do, to yeah. some degree, certainly postgraduate students see it as a, hey, I paid for this, therefore. Yeah. Um, I think it's always been there. And the fact that we're focusing on it makes it seem to appear larger than it really is. And yet there's still students that arrive in university, arrive in high school with troubles that you couldn't even begin to comprehend and they succeed and they are successful. And they will always succeed and always be successful. So I think it's a favorite of the press now to focus on this entitlement. But um, sure, there are, our society is more affluent and, and better off, but there's still kids who are willing to work hard and get her done. And uh, those are the kids that I, I like working with because uh, they don't question what we're up to. I mean, not to reduce it to numbers, but I mean, what are we talking about percentage-wise? You know, I mean, I see my kids, and I'm hopeful. I think they're going to be very involved. Great, but who knows? You know, I've got a seven and a nine-year-old, and they're both creative, and they ask great questions, and so on. All the stuff that most parents would probably say about their kids. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, are kids more politically involved today? No. Do they really want to change the world? You know, you say they want to get their hands dirty and they want to roll up their sleeves, and that's great. But what does that actually mean long term? Well, I'll, I'll go back mm -hmm. a, a bit. It means we have to find and provide opportunities for kids. And if you find, like, again, four children of my own, and I know each child was fired up by somebody different, they all basically had the same teachers at elementary school and different opinions of the same teacher. Some teachers were great, some teachers were okay, but every kid needed to find someone different. So if I look at a high school situation, um, the kids at my school aren't any better singers than the kids at your school. Mm. But what I've got at my school is one crazy lady that's willing to spend her weekends and, and whenever teaching these kids how to sing in a choir. And the kids at your school are no better football players than the kids at my school, but they got a crazy coach who's willing to spend his time and effort to make them into better athletes. And so what I'm hoping is that your kids will find someone along their travel in education who will fire them up about robotics or debating mm -hmm. or badminton or drama or glee club. I don't know. Uh, there are things that exist out there and I shake my head, you gotta be kidding. Middle of Weyburn, Saskatchewan, there's a lady there who runs a glee club um, that has guys in it. Like that's <laughs> usually, you know, it's 80% girls and a few guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, it's, it was half and half, why? She was nuts. She was crazy. Yeah, very passionate. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. the kids bought into oh, it. Oh, totally. Kids, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, never mind kids. I think everybody buys Adults, into that, don't they? Coaches, sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, everybody buys into a genuine passion and intent, it seems So to me. maybe it's that teacher who introduces you to Shakespeare 
or the well, teacher. We're back, we're back to your original comment. You don't fall in love with the textbook. No, you don't. No. You, you fall in love with the idea that I could do this and be successful. And kids never show up for activities uh, other than they want to be their best. Hmm. Like I finished my years in education as a vice principal and I never had a guy sent down from badminton for texting or wearing his hat. He showed up to badminton to be his best. Um, they show up to help out at a fundraiser to be their best and raise the most money that they can. They show up in your English class or your math class because they have to. It's on their timetable. It says math, period three, you got to be there. Um, so, I'm interested. So, so you've had quite an eclectic career, teacher. Um, tell me, ended it off with vice principal. I want to ask you about your old fartishness. Are you a nostalgic old fart when it comes to, you know, you talked about no student ever showed up late for badminton because they yeah. were on their device. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And then I want to talk about your uh, time you spent as an activities director, because I think that's clearly had a deep link to what you're doing today. I'm not sure why I'm being called an old fart. <laughs> I'm not calling you one. I'm <laughs> I, just wondering if you are based on, you know, here's what I grew up with. Here's where kids are today. I guess it falls into that whole entitled thing. Mm. You know, it doesn't sound like you are at no. all, actually. You've got a very hopeful um, um, uh, approach and on, it, with regard. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing if no, you didn't, frankly. No. In fact, I, uh, I went into teacher's college realizing all I had was an English degree. And I, in order at that time to stand out from the crowd... I had to have something that was different. And so I picked up data processing. It was the only time that I could pick up something or data processing in teacher's college. Because uh, I, somehow I saw this coming, this computer stuff was going to be big. I didn't know at all how big it was going to be, but it was going to be different. So I might as well figure this out. And I ended up taking a, um, a computer course in university over that summer and got into it. And I got into it with an English background. So therefore, I was the guy that was doing desktop publishing way before anybody had ever figured out that this was going to be doing things. So I ran a student newspaper that won an award in Ontario because we were using desktop publishing and looking really pro rather than the old, right. you know, blue... Uh, oh yeah, the, I forget what are they called. I know those. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of the, the machine. Blue the hand crank. Machines. Yeah, the hand crankers. Yeah. Not li I was going to say Linotype, but that's no, not that it. That's before. before. That was like yeah. Heidelberg's time. Yeah. Uh, so no, I've always yeah. been um, not on the bleeding edge of technology, but always interested. And um, getting my kids into videos with uh, iMovie long before it became something to do. So. What was I trying to do? Just provide opportunities for kids mm -hmm. to be their best. Mm -hmm. uh, technology certainly gave an avenue that that caught their their interest and in, uh, whatever. Well, I just you know now as a fairly sort of uh, older young parent, uh, I I f I'm doing my best not to fall into that old fartish like category mm -hmm. with respect to music. Mm -hmm. And I listen to you too, and I'm going to see them in July, and I want my son to come with me, and he's going to come, I think, but he's not that keen. Mm -hmm. You know, old YouTube's music your dad listens to. You yeah. know, it's and so uh, I don't want to divide and conquer with respect to media and technology and all those things, and approach it from a much more hmm, a wiser perspective, I suppose, yeah. instead of saying, "Oh, gee, I wish it was like this when I was," you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, or you know, you know that money Python skit. Well, when we were kids, you know, you were lucky. <laughs> At least you had a, you know, a father. Well, you know, it, it was kind of my, my first 
a couple of years in education, go to the staff room, and there was always the rain cloud sitting in the corner of the staff room. That would say, <laughs> you know, kids are the worst that we've ever had. That's right. They don't do their homework, and they yeah. don't have any respect for teachers, and they're just the worst seniors we've ever seen. Can you believe it? And the very next year, in the rain cloud, in the corner, these are the worst kids we've ever had. They don't do their homework. They don't mm -hmm. respect teachers. I don't know how they're ever going to survive. And I went, wow, if they've been getting steadily worse each year, like it must be really bad in about 10 years. And mm -hmm. so, no, mm -hmm. it, they, um, they do things. And, and technology, I'm not um, totally in awe of technology. Like I don't rate, I haven't raced out to get my Apple Watch. I'm going to sit right. and wait right. and figure right. out what... I can use it for and I think that's the trick what can I use technology to do to help me um, to do things it's a tool it's it a is tool. a tool and if and it if isn't it is working I don't if I don't it's use not it. working get it out of your toolbox yeah. sharpen it and put it back in or get yeah. it the sell it in the local local garage sale. Yeah. so you spent quite a few years in a, as an activities director mm -hmm. um, you, you've referred to that off tape or off podcast now um, as a fairly unique role in a role that, by the sounds of it, doesn't really exist anymore. Can you, can you talk about yeah, what you it was, did? Uh, and, and, and in Waterloo uh, County and then Waterloo Region Schools, we had a position where you were paid as a head to be an activity director, which meant uh, anything that happened outside the classroom was either your responsibility or your fault. And what that meant was that you were given time to run student council student leadership but you were also in charge of um, fundraisers or your dances or uh, the budget for the yearbook you didn't run the yearbook but you were in charge of making sure that the yearbooks got delivered and handed out and didn't lose too much money um, booking buses for sports teams was done through my office and through myself so Whoever came into the school, whether it was the t-shirt guy, the ring guy, the yearbook guy, the photography guy, they all knew who to find. That was the activity director. And then that activity director, if they weren't directly in charge of, they certainly knew who was. And so there was a someone with a resident amount of information, history, and ability to support you. And I think coaches who came to the Waterloo region were just floored by the fact that they were given all this support and all they really had to do was coach. And um, all of those things happened. Uh, it was different. It was based on a U.S. model um, and still going in probably California is the place where it is still vibrant and alive. It was cut out of the Ontario system because of this old thing called teacher contacts. We were not in the classroom in front of any students. We were basically in charge of all the students, but it couldn't be tied to a specific contact. So their formulas and the number of guys basically killed us. Um, so that position has gone by the by. You, you said to me before that a lot of people would, would say to you, we, need, we wish we, we had that at our school. Yeah, well, and I mean, again, we traveled across the country and would speak to other people who were involved in student council or student government, and they couldn't believe how much they even business people who weren't in the school system would say, well, that makes so much sense that there's one person who knows what's going on, uh, who is able to control the schedule and the calendar for events outside the school and make sure they don't conflict too much with what's happening in the classroom. And that's the balance. Uh, classroom still has to happen. Kids got to learn stuff. They have to graduate. 
um, but I think also we want to be able to provide opportunities outside of the classroom for the either through sports, drama, music, activities, uh, anything. Did, that did students do. take a hit when the activities directors were were let go? Yeah, the, but or did teachers take a hit? I guess you know more work for the teacher now. I yeah, suppose, and what's right? happened is it's a lot of things are not being done, mm -hmm. and a lot of teachers who have been there for a while saying, "Well, why isn't this happening?" Well, because there isn't that person who's in charge of it. A student who arrives in grade nine now, this is the new normal. This is what they know, so they don't know what they're right. what they're missing. Right. So that's right. one of the problems that it's a very short tour of duty in high school is four years, maybe five for some. Um, but they don't, if it wasn't there when they arrived, they certainly didn't know it was there last year or the year before. What do you, so, I mean, you know, you're, you're supporting this idea that I'm continuing to talk about and think about and write about and so on and podcast about, but this idea that, you know, incremental change, little things make a big difference. It's the splash and ripple effect. And, mm -hmm. you know, teachers, I mean, are a perfect example of that, you know, put, planting a seed an idea, a passionate intent, this woman with the glee club, you know, the the chess club, whatever the heck it might be, the love for badminton and so on. Yeah. Um, you must, I mean, is that part of the reason why you're, you, you are hopeful? Do you, you get out of bed in the morning thinking about those positive things, those, those seeds? Yeah. I, in fact, I call myself little Davy leader seed, which kind of sounds kind of sexual. So maybe I'll have to find a better thing. But uh, <laughs> depends on the depends on the, on the, the audience. Room. Yeah, the audience. Yeah. Um, one thing that we run a national conference every year, where you bring the best kids in the country uh, into one spot, and we put about eight hundred students from across the country. And this year, September, it'll be in Halifax. Um, so that's the cream of the crop. Uh, then every province will hold a leadership conference. So it's held in uh, Niagara Falls in November here in Ontario. But every province sort of brings um, what I would say, if you give a hockey analogy, NHL would be this, the national conference, the CSLC. Junior A would be uh, the provincial conference. And now I'm running one-day regional leadership conferences, which I would say are the equivalent of Junior B. They're the developmental leagues. Mm -hmm. And I travel across the country, did 15 of these this year, where we try to go into a school and poke and prod kids that say, you know, it really doesn't take much. That uh, Craig Kielberger, when he started out, didn't know that he was going to build me to we. Uh, Mother Teresa didn't know that she was going to be a saint. She was just going to help a person. Mm -hmm. And all we want you to do is just go out and do something nice in your school. And if you like it, do it again or find something else nicer. To do and we have um, no idea what is gonna float because I'm the idea guy I will say hey anybody want to try this and one of my prime examples of a fun lunchtime activity sorry I think is fun it's called snot put what is it you put a Cheerio up your left nostril close your right and fire it as far as you can as soon as I send that idea out into an audience, I immediately get people writing it down and other people just cringing, going, mm -hmm. you've got to be kidding. Yeah. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Because some group out there says, this is fun, my kids will do it, and somebody else says, no way in heck am I ever going to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's what I find with ideas. I have no idea who is going to say this is cool and then who is going to try it and make it successful. But boy, do I ever get fired up. Um, there's a fellow in Milton who had an idea about, we all do this, you know, student of the week or athlete of the month or whatever. And he said, let's just make it general. And he called it the frame of fame. Hmm. 
he went to Value Village, got himself an old time frame, spray painted it gold, and you can nominate anybody for having really nice hair or telling good jokes or doing well on a math test or being the star in the musical, whatever you nominate them. He wanders into the classroom, puts a frame around you and takes a picture and you're in the frame of fame. Well, I said, I thought that was a great idea. Mm -hmm. I mentioned it to a couple people and I'm in Strathmore, Alberta, walking down a hallway. No idea, but there on the wall is a bulletin board with the frame of fame photos that they've taken in the last six months. And I went, that's what ideas are. You have no idea who's going to pick it up, and yet there's somebody doing nice stuff for other people. And as I said... Is there, um, is there a kind of person that is attracted, do you think, kind of student that is attracted to changing the world, to making the world a better place, to, to doing the right thing or the fun thing, as you say, or for doing the nice thing? Uh, or um, is it... Does the actual environment itself act as the catalyst to bring to bring that to draw that to, to bring that out to draw that out of that uh, that individual? Wow, that's an interesting question. Nature nurture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I I honestly believe in in my experience, some kids I never thought would take something on. Say no, mm. that's what I want to do. And I'm going. You're kidding me, are you? No, no. I want to do this. And other kids that I thought should be doing this because they have all the skills and the talents, they go, no, that, no, I can't do that or I'm not interested. So again, it's that hook somehow that someone says, I'm going to do this. Um, I think you, you need some, and again, I've seen kids that I've, I've tapped on the shoulder and say, you should be part of this. I, I know you'd be good at right, it. Right, right. And they don't come. And there's other kids I tap on the shoulder and say, you should be part of this. And they go, oh, I was just waiting for somebody to ask. I right, was just waiting. Right. Oh, I'm so happy to be yeah. here. <laughs> can I, what else can I do? What else yeah. can I do? Yeah. And, they, and they just fire up. So yeah. again, did I know? I didn't know. I was just was told this kid was really good at video. And he went, oh, this is amazing. Well, why didn't he come in and see me? Oh, I didn't know I was allowed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think there's something, I mean, where I went to was something you said earlier, but just, uh, I forget the phrase you used, but it's it's quite nice, providing opportunities for, well, just providing opportunities. I mean, oh. it's almost like that should be the tagline. Oh, it know? is. No, and it should I, be your, on your business card. Maybe it is on your business cards. But well, it's, my, my opening thing with advisors, I tell the story of going to my final school, and Johnny Weber is running the fishing club. And I said, Johnny, you are running the biggest scam going. He said, no, it's the fishing club. I said, what are you talking about? You're going out a day fishing? He says, it's the fishing club. I said, you're not fishing. You're going to a trout pond. There's fish in the pond. He says, no, it's the fishing club. You come and see. And I looked at the kids going on the bus, and they're the kids from Somalia and the speckhead kids, and every kind of kid was getting on that mm. bus. Mm. And you know what? He was providing an opportunity for kids who's either culture, parents, money, whatever, couldn't do it right but school provided that opportunity to learn how to fish and I went that's what it's well about. learn how to fish and frankly I think to what, I, what resonated there with me was an opportunity to be together oh, to yeah. build relationships yeah. I mean they and they may not even know in a way that's what's drawing them there but it's about the spirit of inclusion affirming one another and so like the kid sure. that you tap on the shoulder to oh I was just waiting for somebody to ask yeah Right? It's yeah. not so much about the fishing. It's it's the camaraderie and the... Yeah. And, and the Being, and, they, teenagers all want to be part of something. Mm -hmm. And if we don't provide positive opportunities, 
there's certainly a lot of people selling and inviting them into negative opportunities and they'll be part of it. And uh, I think the more opportunities in a positive vein that we can provide, um, the more successful and positive our communities will be. That's a very nice way to end the interview. Thanks a lot for spending uh, some time with us today. That's uh, Dave Conlon here today at the, uh, I was going to say at the University of Guelph. <laughs> We're in the city of Guelph. And that's the Can yeah, Dave is Satellite the, campus. Satellite campus, that's right, uh, <laughs> with the Canadian Student Leadership Association. Check them out online. Uh, website? Studentleadership.ca. Studentleadership.ca. Conference coming up in the fall of uh, 2015 in Halifax. And every year after that? Yeah, uh, we're off to Edmonston the year after that yeah. for our very first bilingual conference, and then back to Waterloo in 2017. So. Excellent. Check them out online. Thanks, Dave, for joining us today. Um, it's been a great, great interview. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.